thank you for being here on With Misk podcast. Mike Cuenca. Yeah. Is that how you pronounce your last name? That's how you pronounce it. This is great. We we just met a couple of minutes ago and uh, I have watched your film. I have watched your film. I'll be around. And uh, so I'm filming uh, my feature, indie feature, and uh, called Reunion. Mm-hmm. And it's filmed by Jessica Gallant. She's Gallant. She's our DP. And she said that I should talk with you, Mike, because you work. She said that you work in a little bit similar way than me. But she has been also telling really cool stories about how you work. So I thought that it would be very in- inspiring to hear about your life and especially how you make, how many films you have made. I've, I've seen I'll Be Around, but the way you make your films, I would like to hear about that. How I make them? Yes. <laughs> the process, the entire process from start to finish? Yeah, it's it's really inspiring. Oh, like man. that was over three hours. I watched the, what, what's the, what's the cut called that I watched? The I'll Be Around cut that you watched. That's, that's a director's cut, which now is the only cut. And it's technically uh, two features. 70 minutes long each and uh since the the movies um based around musicians um we did like a side a and a side b like a record so yeah. the first flick is 70 minutes the second one is another 70 you know but um you have an intermission in between so the way that's going to be streaming and all that um it's all together so you do have the intermission but you have the option to pause it yourself you know yeah i would prefer it if it was two separate you know like you know like kill bill volume one and two kind of like that so um, it really is uh, the second side really is a B side because um, the first the the first part the tone is very very much like slacker as you watch you know you're following a group of characters some person walks away the camera follows them they meet up with someone else but unlike slacker we're coming back to the same characters and the whole movie is a domino effect you know there's a there's a quote at the beginning of the movie by one of the characters that says. Um, we all play our parts. Eve Valentine, musician. You know, like you're in a band, you all play your parts, right? But it's talking about just life in general, how we all affect each other's um, eventual outcome without even realizing it. It could be a very minuscule thing. You know, like we have a character that knocks over a trash can that has a box full of merchandise, T-shirts. This other character gets um, beer on them and they need a new shirt, right? And so this other character who's always having a problem talking to people for the first time sees that box with merchandise on the ground, grabs a shirt, and now starts a conversation with that person. Yeah. So that's the whole idea. So the first side sets everything up. The B side is the repercussions. Yeah. It's really impressive. And uh, where is this out? When is it out? How can people watch it? We're actually going to be screening it. Uh, I work for the American Cinematheque, and we're going to be screening it August 27th at the Los Feliz 3 Theater at 4 p.m. That's a Saturday. So people can actually watch it with us, and Jessica will be there. Um, schedule permitting, you know, if she's not working on another project to do it, you know, she's going to be part of the Q&A. So it's going to be really fun. And you can pretty much watch it on Amazon, Tubi. Just type in on Google. I'll be around streaming, and you'll be able to see it. Is it already out on streaming I, I believe this version is now out everywhere and um i fought really hard to take the other version down because the other version was just two hours which you know most people are like that's a that's already long enough but it was missing so much flavor and it felt a little hollow and i feel like the the points that we were trying to fully make which are very existential as you see towards the end um it was lacking. It was missing that stuff. So I'm like, no, no, I want to make the definitive version. And there have been several people that have seen almost every cut of that. And when I, I had like a really, really small public screening at a coffee shop around this time last year of this version, the new version. And uh, some people were very affected by it and moved, which was not the response the first time. 
So I think this is uh, the the essential one. And like I said, now the only one. <laughs> yeah. So, so did you shoot more? Oh, no, no, no. Yeah. You just did a new cut. Yeah, I just did a new cut. Yeah, it was, you said that you had to fought hard to get the previous one out. Well, the other one is, is just like the distri distributor wanted it two hours and everyone wanted it two hours. And some people were going like, this should be 90 minutes. I'm like, well, it's not a, a zany comedy. And it's, it's you know, and yeah, Days of Confused is an influence on it, but it's not that kind of movie. It's much more angst ridden. And it's like I said, we're trying to tell this whole uh, domino effect yeah. story. And we have dozens and dozens of characters um, also inspired by uh, Robert Altman's um, Nashville. Yes. Uh, which has a cast of like 29 characters. But, um, you know, that's the, that's what we wanted to make. And, you know, we were being a little stubborn about it and sticking to our guns. Cause I'm like, that's what we wanted to do. So what was the point of making this if we can't execute it the way that, you know, we intended to. Yes. Th that's a huge film, like a three hour. What, what's the length? Three uh, hours. It's, no, it's two hours and 20 minutes, 70 and 70. Yes. Yeah. Oh yeah. yeah. So that, that long indie film, how, how did it all start? Because it's inspiring and it's huge. Do you really want me to go deep into how that started? Because it's pretty. It's a. It's a lot of. Uh, <laughs> it's a lot of like self therapy. I, I would like to because it was inspiring and like. Okay, so you don't know much about me, but I'm originally from Finland and mm. I've been here for seven years, uh, in LA. I'm here for acting, yep. but I I'm also a film a beginning filmmaker. I have done some web series and one Finnish feature film. Uh -huh. And it was a found footage horror and it got released. It's on Tubi and Amazon and all that. What's the name of that? Uh, Insanity. Insanity. Yes. Um, you, you can probably easily find it if you type my name and Insanity. Um, so that was my learning process. I hadn't made one, but I, I wanted to start learning filmmaking by making a feature film. Right, right. Because then you can release it. And now I'm making my second film and I'm really learning. So I would like to hear the whole thing because your film was inspiring. It looked good. I would like to hear the story because there was certain weird ease in it. it because it seemed like that you had all the time in the world. You had so many locations, you had bands, oh, you had record store, you have so many characters. So there was certain kind of really inspiring ease, but I don't know if it happened behind the scenes, if it was easy behind the scenes. So yes, I would love to hear the whole story. Well, when it comes to um, all those, I mean, the the thing is, like, I, I hadn't made a feature since uh, By the Wayside, which was in 2012. <clears throat> and that movie was a response to uh, me losing um, very close financing on what was supposed to be my, my second feature, which I still haven't been able to make this movie. And I don't want to make it DIY because I don't want to mess it up. But we made this movie By the Wayside, which was um, basically um, my friends and I, which recurrent they're, they're recurrent cast members <clears throat> we uh my close friends and i watched uh cassavetti's husband uh or husbands uh and i'm a big cassavetti's fan it's one of the movies I, of his i hadn't seen and we didn't really like respond um well to it and like we loved it we loved the idea we thought the movie was too long um but we're like we should do something like this and it's just you know these best friends and their husbands and they leave their wives for the weekend or whatever and they get into a bunch of debauchery right so I was like, we should make a movie like that and let's just do it and actually not have a script. <clears throat> so we have, you know, we just had a basic premise and I'm in it because it would have been easier to direct. And Jessica's really good at just following uh, <laughs> characters really well when they improvise. So I was like, okay, or actors really well when they improvise. 
So um, we did this thing without a script, just a basic premise. Um, uh, the lead actor of my first flick, uh, Jerry Powell, Joey Halter, uh, him and I are roommates and we can't pay the rent. That's it. So we would shoot and shoot and shoot and I would go and edit and then I would start coming up with a storyline. And then I would send that to all the talent, the actors. And I kept calling other people. Hey, you want to be in this? You want to be in this? What kind of time frame? Once a month? No, once- we're, we're talking about, we shot this. Well, it was within a two week time frame, but it took us, or a week and a half time frame. And it took us seven days to shoot it. So, so you shot a day, then you edit it. And then you came back. Yeah. Or, or even that night we would shoot all day in the, like in the morning. And then I'd, I'd go late afternoon and tonight just cutting it. And I'm like, okay, I know where we should go. And then I would send a, an outline of what we should say, what we should do where the story should go to all the actors and then that would probably be like two days in a row then when i would have three days off but we did it like i said in seven days yeah um and it was really fun it was like a total palate cleanser but you know um we complained about husbands being too long the original cut of by the wayside was two and a half hours long which is insane and um i had possibly what was like the greatest night of my life when we premiered my prior feature the first feature jerry powell at the downtown independent theater and it was like people were standing everyone was laughing at every joke i couldn't believe like how well it played and then we had wayside screening that long cut maybe five months after that at the same theater and that was the worst experience <sighs> of my life and i was just slinking in my chair no one was laughing no one was like feeling anything in any scenes and it was like the ac also wasn't working so i'm just sweating in my seat and going like oh my god why do we make this which led me into more depression and i didn't make a movie for what was that six years i was like f this i'm not doing this anymore what did you do uh, i just started working on my band uh you know i already had a band please tell me about your band so so that that band went through a million incarnations but um we were called dignitary eventually and um i was just like i'm just gonna concentrate on music because yeah. I, I can't do this stuff anymore and it's really tough and um years prior to that because i've been working with jessica since like 20 uh sorry tw- uh, 2008 so 14 years wow so quite a long time right and uh i met her because um i had put an ad out on craigslist i think it was craigslist and i was looking for a cinematographer i didn't know anything about filmmaking really i still don't know anything about filmmaking but yeah i didn't really know anything i had like zero experience i made a few you know like uh shorts on my camcorder when i was a teenager but i was like i'm gonna make this movie i'm gonna make this movie and it part of it was a little bit punk rock uh oriented so i put an ad out that this is punk rock movie jessica replies and she goes hey, because I, she has done punk yeah and she's like i grew up in the punk scene and i you know i dye my hair with manic panic still and etc etc and she kind of gave me she's like i'm working on this uh death rock documentary right now it's called this is drop dead and i was like this is perfect and she pretty much like the rest of the cast in that movie the punk rock characters in that movie we kind of became a family and i was like you know what i'm gonna do a spinoff mind you this was supposed to be my first feature film i never finished it i don't think it's very good do you still have the tapes i still have the footage and i'm actually um going and like in the pro i'll, I'll tell i'll go in that into that in a second yeah I've been, uh, my plan is to recut it as a short. Um, and I, like I said, I have some ideas. But anyway, the side characters, punk characters were so fun in the movie and they kind of stole the show that I started just writing a random episode, like a pilot episode yeah. with all those characters. And there's a lot of them. There's like 14 or something like that. So I was like, the movie was called Scenes from Oblivion. And I'm like, this is perfect. I'm going to do this pilot episode. Everyone's down to do it. Jessica's down to shoot it. Um, and it's going to be called Oblivion. She actually turned out to be unavailable. So I had, uh, I met someone else that, that shot it, Anastasia Shepard. So she shot the pilot. I did some camera work and then Jessica did some pickups. 
I thought I was really cool, but I was like, you know what? We should do two because I'm crazy. I was like, we should do two more episodes to really show what this show can yeah. be, you know, the potential. And it cuts from character to character and each one's into their own like um, subculture or whatever of punk rock. So we did three episodes and I was uh, I went to go pitch that thing, um, got up to MTV to pitch it. We got rejected. Initially, they dug it because I was like, oh, it's um, I was like, it's uh, Seinfeld, but with punks meets Looney Tunes. Yeah. And everyone's like, oh, this is great. And then I started talking about it. And they're like, you know what? If you would have presented this idea 10 years ago, we would have greenlit it because kids nowadays don't know what this stuff is. And I was like, are you kidding me? 10 years ago, I could I was like, I was a kid. I couldn't have done this thing, you know? Uh, I didn't have like, we didn't have the cameras for that, you know, digital cameras uh, to be able to pull this off. So, you know, I was like, F this. We're having so much fun doing this, even though most people can't even watch the show because it was a web series. They couldn't load it because streaming was not a thing. It would take people like three, four hours to load like five minutes of footage. It was ridiculous. But we did start getting a cold following with it. And I was like, you know what? Let's just do this for fun. So we ended up doing about 17 half hour long episodes. Wow. And then I did the movie Jerry. And then Wayside. And after getting rejected, 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 and not getting anything done with this stuff. And it's, you know, really taxing them, as you know, to make a feature. Yeah. That I was like, I'm not doing this anymore. So I did a few music videos. I did a music video for for my band, for Dignitary, for a friend's band. I had a cool idea. I was like, I'm going to connect all these music videos. If you watch them all together, it's going to be a movie. Never really finished that. But I did three videos that kind of connect, you know. One starts when the other one ends. So that was it. And I went through this like crazy, just like crazy period of deep depression. I'm talking about like maybe 2015 or something like that. I could not get out of that rut. And um, that's a very long story, but I went through a huge ordeal. Yeah. How, how does it look? You're sleeping every day, the whole day? Or what, I, I'm not, what I'm not much I'm not much of a sleeper. Yeah. Like, okay. All. So I like when depression comes, I don't sleep at all. I just like board myself up and just start working on music, whatever. That, Everyone does their own thing, but I don't, I don't sleep much to begin with. Yeah. But, um, you know, like, uh, I started just like the, the way out of that or, or the distraction was the band. And I had, like I said, several incarnations in the band and, um, this all culminated with like, uh, another friend's band called electric West. I was like, we should go tour the East coast and actually play New York, the five boroughs. So I booked this, this whole event. Yeah. And I just got an out of like a breakup and all this stuff, you know? So I'm like, I'm going to go do that. And while I was out there, I was like, man, I wish like there was actually a movie that would capture how much it sucks to be a nobody musician and yeah. how much it sucks to book shows because you have these people that are bookers, right? And that's their title. But when you go with them and you're like, hey, uh, I'm a local band, blah, blah. They go, how many followers do you have online? Because that, you know, that really matters. Yeah, I, I get it. Right. So yeah. it's like this and that so you, you you then they're like okay you have to reach out to other bands that are gonna play the bill those bands don't want to be the opener so yeah. you go through this whole thing you spent like it becomes another job you spend yeah. so much time trying to set up the show the booker doesn't help at all and then next thing you know you're the opener of your own show that you spent three <laughs> months trying to book and yeah. i was like jesus christ and what's like, the genre punk uh we were post-punk a little bit goth we started off like as like a gothic western band yeah like more like folk acoustic and then that started morphing into what we we became which was a little bit you know dancey at times darker pop is as a thing i call darker it. pop i like that. dark pop yeah whatever you know what what do you do in the band uh a main songwriter uh and in that band i used to play and sing and then eventually just dropped the guitar and then just fronted like i used to when i was a teenager oh nice yeah, so you have the promoter. You are trying to book the 
boroughs. It's, and it, it's, it's, it's sucked. But that was cool. It was great going to New York and all this and that. And, and you're like, not getting any money or? No. no yeah. You get paid in memories. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so, uh, you know, um, like, I don't want to get too deep into all that stuff, but I, but I met someone out there. Well, I would like to pursue that dream too. Which, which dream? Well, I don't think I can, I will do it anymore at this age, but it all started for me playing punk when I was 12 years really? old and I still play guitar and that that's awesome. We play some covers in the Finnish events. Uh -huh. Yeah. So I play, but that was the original dream to become a rock star. And then I drifted into acting, and that's what I'm concentrating on now. See, so I awesome. believe you you have uh, lived part of my dream. Well, like the whole the whole the whole punk aesthetic, where you're like, I'm not a classically trained musician. I'm just going to pick up an instrument. I think this sounds cool, and you're just getting whatever aggression or feelings out, you know, through through your music. Um, I mean that that having that background and being very much like I don't want to say like anti mainstream because I'm not, but I'm just like. Uh, it's a very DIY mentality and that helped push me to just make this stuff without any money Yeah, know? and be like, F it. Like I, you don't need to follow all these rules. You don't need all this fancy stuff. And it's just like, I mean, you do, but in a sense it's like that shouldn't uh, withhold you from like creating something. Yeah. Know? I can relate to that from the band stuff. When we had a band in Finland and we tried uh -huh. to get gigs and all that. Did he, did he tour? Uh, I wouldn't No, we, we, no, there there was bands and we had gigs, but I wouldn't say that we toured. Uh -huh. No, no, because when I turned um, 18, the theater came to my life and I noticed that the acting will work better for me. Yeah. But um, there was some bands that could have been something. <laughs> if there was a manager or we'd would, we would have been or, well, more organized, but we all were teenagers. You always have to have that person that's like the most organized individual. Yes. You know. And then we had this really cool cover band, but there was no songwriter. But I th it was just three people, and I th I felt that we were we play played songs by a Finnish band called CMX. Mm. The Finnish audience will even know that. And I, there was three people, and I think we were starting to get a little bit of a following, or at least people liked when we were playing. Right. Yeah, yeah. But that pan band was missing that there should have been one songwriter that we would have become started playing our own songs. Mm -hmm. But I think I was just thinking about it like a couple of months ago, a little bit melancholically that if we had own songs, that could have become something. Yes. Yeah. But yeah, I started to do acting when I was 18, but I still... What, what propelled you to go into acting, really? Uh the same people who I was with, with ba in bands, they were connected to theater. Okay. And, uh, hmm. I noticed that it was easier for me to act instead of just, I, I can't really, I don't really sing, so I mainly play guitar. So I noticed that with the guitar, I'm tied to the instrument, but when I'm acting, I can actually be free and do whatever, whatever I want. Because I, I, I'm not good enough a singer to be a lead singer. Mm -hmm. So I was always just a guitar player. Yeah. So the acting was more easier for me. And there was some local theater place. And then I started to pursue my dream and moved to the capital city of Finland and eventually to Miami, the theater school. And now I am in Hollywood <laughs> trying to make it. All right. But I just bought a new amp. Yeah. Fender 100 GTX. So you're still playing, just like at home? Yeah. And uh, we, have, we play some covers well, I, I play in improv shows. When we have improv, improv theater shows, I usually use guitar yes. and so, someone sings or does some freestyle. And we play, we have some cover gigs. 
I have a couple of songs in Spotify, a couple of punk songs. Oh, cool. I want to check those out. Uh, yeah. A <laughs> couple of music videos. And I recorded background for a new song. I just need to do the singing. It's yeah. like Rage Against the Machine type okay. thing in Finnish. <laughs> That's interesting. So I still release <laughs> punk music. Right on. Every year yeah, yeah. <laughs> one song per year see that's cool though you know it's like it's uh, to me it's like it's such a part of me that even though like i per- most likely never be in a band again it's like i can't stop working on music and yeah even if i don't put it out just recording it for myself yeah that that's what i was gonna ask like are you in a band now no is what's going on with that dream i am not <laughs> more like a nightmare <laughs> <laughs> No, I'm not in a band anymore, but uh I I was always joking around um that uh I wanted to do this project called Just Mike where, you know, I'm like I play every instrument and it's just like I just thought it would be funny and like the songs would be more like 80s like hard rock. Well, my stuff. punk thing is uh, pretty much like that, uh, but I have someone else um playing drums, drums, yeah. Drums, yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. It's better that way. Oh, well, of course, you know. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So I like I just started uh, I was like I'm going to release 12 so- this is like in the last three months. I was like I'm going to do like 12 songs. I'm just we're gonna gonna record them under just my just make okay. them up on the spot and do that. So that's what I've been doing. Except I, instead of doing twelve, I did like close to thirty. And then I was like, "What am I doing working on this thing?" And I and I got them all down. I'm not a I'm not like a any sort of music producer, so like they're not mixed, they're not mastered. And I'm like, I don't have the money to go through that, and I don't want to go through all that. It's too much work, and it's distracting me from other things. So now my attention span went to something else. <laughs> Uh, and, but you uh, should finish those and release at least half of them. I, sh- I should, I should. I mean, I could just put them out in demo form like that. But if yeah. I do that, then I have like snobby or friends who are like, "Hey, what it was? You know, come on, do do a good job on these things." And I'm like, I don't want to spend that much time on that because you know. But gotta, you have spent but lots I, I, I know, of time. I know, I know, I know, I know. I got, I got to do it. I got to do it. And I went back like a couple of days ago and actually listened to those songs and I was like, "Hey, man, these are these are kind of cool. I dig them." You know? Yeah, we need <laughs> to put them out. I think I, I think there's two on Spotify that I threw up. I, okay. I think, I think, you know. Wait, what's the name? Just Mike? Just Mike, and it probably should show up under my 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 full name or my name, I mean. Yes. Um so so anyway, uh what's it called? So like obviously like being in bands and all that, um uh is all reflected and I'll be around. So I had this crazy breakdown when I was yes. in New York, which is echoed in the movie Eve Valentine, the singer that's like she's a very popular musician yeah. in the movie and She's someone that didn't really want this position. Like people really admire her. She had a great first album, except she can't follow it up because she doesn't have anything to say or create. So she's yeah. going through her own mental breakdown. But there's a scene in the movie that's very personal to me where she like has a breakdown in the bathroom and she's yeah. crying and falls to the floor. And that happened to me when I was in New York during that tour. So Oh, that that tour of five bros. Yeah. You had a breakdown. <laughs> It was just a lot of pen of stuff, and it wasn't like I was in a bad mood or anything. I was just like something just happened. Where I, like my like I started choking up when I was talking. I ran to the bathroom and I'm like shut myself in a stall, and I just had a breakdown. And it was just like I cried these burning hot tears. I just got all this like yeah pen of stuff that it was bottling up inside of me for for several years. And it's not that like I was really bottling it up because I'm very vocal about how I feel about things. But um, anyway. So it's like, it was just like all these, again, you know, uh, echoing, uh, it's echoed in the movie, a bunch of domino effects, right? Yeah. So I ended up meeting someone out there. Uh, she ended up flying out here. We ended up doing uh, some drugs, a mix of drugs that I shouldn't have mixed up because I can't have anything that's like an upper. Like I'm a very psychedelic uh, oriented person. Yes. Um, but I can't have anything that's like an upper. It just does not work for me. I just completely drop 
You, you know, drop. I, I drop. I sit still. I don't talk. I can't move. And if yeah. I talk, I get stuck in a loop repeating the same thing over and over. Wow. So I got on this loop and I kept going, how the hell did I get here? How did this happen? And I just kept going crazy in circles, trying to yeah. figure out how I got here. I'm like, well, this thing happened. It leads to this, to this, to this. And da, 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 da. So I was already having this domino effect thing in my mind. And a couple of days after this, I watched with some friends uh, movies that I love, you know, and they hadn't seen them. I watched, rewatched Slacker as I brought up in that maybe the next day i brought up uh, i watched nashville yeah the robert Altman movie and in that movie that movie's like a uh it's uh five days at a country music festival right and you're following like i said dozens and dozens of characters yeah and i was like we should do our version of this but with a post-punk scene or alternative rock scene make it one day follow a plethora of characters do it like slacker except we bring back the characters and we have it be a domino effect can we pull this off can yes. we do this and i talked to uh my really good friend dan roje who's in everything i've made as an actor and we had we had been working on a script already that i'm very proud of and we're still trying to get finance but we have a million ideas and i brought this up and he goes i'm down and i'm like cool let's you let's use your um he has a specific way, his a specific outlook on life that um, I tend to relate to. Um, and I'm like, let's mix some of my band experience. And he's a musician What's as well. What's the outlook? It's like, it, well, it, it, it's like, we're very neurotic in the sense that it's like, do things happen for a reason? You know? Do they? Are you, are you a fatalist? So that's like yeah. the theme of I'll be around. Yes. And at the same time, I'm like, no, you can't just be like, you're not, you know, uh, you're not just gonna get a call for an audition, right? Yeah. Randomly. No one's just gonna call you randomly. You have to go and put yourself out there so people know you exist. So therefore you can't just let things, they're not gonna just fall into your lap. So you have to like push. But if they happen for a reason, what happens if you don't push? You know? So it's kind of like that. There's a there's a there's a common <laughs> there's a common line throughout all be around where a character goes, um, it is what it is. And then a character goes, another character goes, unless it's not. Yeah. So that's like a several different pairs of characters say that in the movie. Yeah. And um, you know, it's like you make do with what you have, but maybe, you know, your nihilism can uh uh sway you from that or your optimism can you know plunge you forward or whatever, you know. So that's like that's you know, encompassing all those things that I talked about, that's how I'll be around started getting uh I don't know, started uh becoming a reality. Yes. So we were working on that script, we were gonna keep it like Slacker. We so weren't you gonna, too. Yeah, we weren't gonna bring yeah. back the people at all. And then we're like, we really like these characters. Wouldn't it be cool if we brought this character and then this character who's a hopeless romantic meets the hopeful romantic? You know, we started, Yeah, everything started gelling. And even before that, I think it was maybe like a year before we even shot that I started casting it. I mean, casting took a minute because I actually ended up using a lot of real life, uh, real life musicians that aren't actors that kind of have onstage charisma or that do have onstage charisma yeah. because they're musicians and they're on stage and they're kind of becoming a person. They have a persona on stage, right? It feels like that it was cast that you were in you are in that scene and you just cast people who you spend your time with. Yeah, some of them were, you know, and, and even if they don't have like a speaking part, I do have like cameos from musicians that were in bands that I would play on a bill on, you know. Yes. That you know, I became friendly with throughout throughout the years and all that. So that was the genesis and we we're like, you know, we tried we tried to pitch it to different like indie studios. Again, I've never had financing for anything I've ever done. I've never made a penny off anything I've ever made. It's all just a labor of love. It's therapeutic and it's also sucks. Yeah, know? I know how it is. <laughs> yeah. So, um, you know, people were turning us down left and right. Oh, sorry. What did yeah. you have when you were pitching? 
PDFs or we, what? Had, we had a PDF. We had I I made sort of like um, you know, a, a, like a mood board. Yeah, I had an EPK. I had um, showing the different. Can, can you tell how specific the EPK Ooh. was? I mean, yeah. I, it's, my memory's so hazy, but I tend to have this for every other project, every yeah. project that I work on anyway. But it's just like it was just like a brief introduction. You turn the page; it's a digital page, but you turn the page or you click next, and um, it would discuss the themes, the demographic, the people that would actually want to watch this thing. Which okay. for a demographic, it's like it's not just musicians; it's not just struggling musicians. It could apply to any struggling artist because some of these characters, like I said, they're. Um, they're very frustrated. They've gone through these issues with these bookers. They've gone through all this stuff. They spent like 10, 15 years and, you know, investing all this money into their possible career as a musician. And now can you really even be a career musician? You know? oh, oh, yeah. <laughs> I need to interrupt you. What do you think is the age of the characters? Because they're not in their 20s anymore. Those characters are in their 30s or into like early to late 30s. Some are in their early 40s. Yeah, because it's the last the last moments before you start having kids if that if you're ever gonna do that the last moment before you start having kids and you start having again those breakdowns like what the f am i doing with my life <laughs> yeah <laughs> and also and it's like uh, i did read a you know, i try not to read reviews for my stuff like i really don't care but um, yeah. one of them snuck its way towards me and it was something about like the, the person was like this is a very nihilistic movie and i'm like did you watch the same movie because it's not nihilistic it's called it is called i'll be around no matter what these people, you know, like like you said, they're in their mid thirties, late thirties. They they're not married. They don't have any children. They don't have these things bogging them down. They're kind of all working like service industry jobs, so they can have the time to pursue the things that they want to pursue. Some of the musicians in the movie don't care to have success. They just are living every day, one day at a time. They're living in the moment. Some people are like struggling, like the Cooper character. He's been struggling since he was a teenager, and he's out and he's an alcoholic now. Maybe that has played into why he's not successful. Yeah. yeah, the person that doesn't want it, you know? Yeah, the people that are really like total snobs that don't care. And do you think it starts you know? to, sorry. Yeah. Do, do you think it gets different with age? Because that's the dream when you move to LA. You, totally. Well, you told me too, you, you, you came out here to, to act, yeah. you know? And then you hit a certain point and you're like, well, what else am I going to be doing? Hence the title of that movie, I'll be around. They're still going to be doing what they're doing because yeah. what the hell else are they going to do, you know? So it comes down to that. Um, even it, with age, yeah, definitely you start becoming more discouraged, obviously. Um, I mean, it happened to me where I had that six year gap yeah. and, you know, once I was like, I'm going to make, I'm going to do, I'll be around. Um, and it was like, I'm really going to push myself to do this because it's like, I, I, I still say that, like, I'm not going to make movies anymore. Right now I'm working on three movies. That's yeah. how, how insane I am. But, um, it's like, cause like, again, going back to that, what else am I going to do? Not do it, but yeah. I have to do it because these things are, these ideas are in my mind and I have to get them out there. Otherwise I can't sleep at night. I know. But, um, yeah, like, uh, so you were talking about the press kit. So you had actually demographics and all that, yeah, which is your, that's pretty organized. You gotta, I mean, they're going to wonder like who, who's going to watch this. Yeah. You know, when you, when you make a genre movie, you make a horror picture, that's easy. There's like yeah. already like a built-in fan base yeah. but for this. It sucks because, you know, honestly, most rock related content out there, you know, and I don't like really using that word content, but like, you know, uh, TV shows, movies, any rock related stuff is so cheesy and so off or yeah. done in a very nihil nihilistic, yeah. fun way. And that's cool. That's rad. I love rock and roll high school. I think it's great. I love Detroit Rock City. Those are really fun movies. But when you try to do something a little bit more serious, it's it's just so comical and cartoonish. I mean, yeah. I, I did that with Oblivion, you know, it's a really cartoonish show. It's melodramatic, but it's cartoonish. Um, 
Oh, is like, Oblivion is the show that you did earlier? Yeah. Is it still watchable somewhere? So I, uh, it was all offline. Yes. I mean, because it's really rough, you know. So it's like it's some of it's like questionable, you know? uh, and also a lot of the the humor um, doesn't really land with uh, uh, newer generations. But, but it tells about that time. Yeah, right. So like what I ended up doing um, recently, this is in the last yeah. month, I started re-releasing them on Vimeo and yes. I broke them down into three episode seasons. Because every three episodes we have, I mean, it's a long running storyline. It's, yeah. it's very, it's very tightly plotted. You can't just randomly watch episode seven and be like, okay, I'm going to figure out what's going on. You're going to be totally lost. Yeah. Because it's really complex. So I started actually re-releasing them. And in 2010, we actually How could I find them if I wanted to watch them now? You can type in Oblivion, the series on Google, or just type Oblivion Vimeo. Type in my name, Mike Cuenca Oblivion, and it should show up. And they're all on Vimeo. Yeah. Um, and Why Vimeo? Vimeo because, uh, well, that's the I have most of my stuff on there anyway. Some yeah. of it's available to watch for free. The music videos that, that I've done. I think Jerry Powell's on there to watch for free. Because a lot of the music that's on there we yeah. didn't clear the licensing for and i'm not trying to make money off of this and yeah. i'm like i don't have the i don't really have the time to go uh in there and get friends to write similar music which i've done for features yeah i'll be around um i did most of the original songs you know uh yes. some were donated by uh bands that i know and then um dan Rojay, my co-writer who's like i said a songwriter as well he wrote some of the music as well yeah. so that we took our time on i'm not going to do that for oblivion because it's just a lot of work and I don't even think people care that much about it. Yeah. But check this out. So we did like all those episodes that we did, right? We had about like seven or so that were never released. I never put them online. Yeah. A lot of, a lot of them I hadn't even edited. I hadn't even looked at this footage in like 12 years. So that's what I've been doing. That's what I'm currently doing. I'm wa watching all this footage that we shot nonstop with Jessica for X amount of time. And I forgot about this. I forgot all the stuff that we shot, which is fun now for me because I have no attachment to these scenes. Yeah. Um, I'm not married to anything. So now I can objectively come in and start editing these episodes and fine tuning them in a way that seems really fresh, shiny and new to me, you know? So um, I'm jumping all around. I remember. No, that. no, this is great. <laughs> but anyway but anyway and all my stuff too and the reason for this too is that um all my stuff is a shared universe you know been, oh i didn't know that that's good i've been doing that since like day one especially when i was spinning off the oblivion characters from scenes from oblivion into their own show yeah so um there's a there's there's always a reference to something you know and i have um tying into like what you said about i'll be around which is a, a bunch of locations right yeah um to get away with geography or to get away with um, the lack of permits, um, they are all fictional towns where the movie yes. takes place. Because um, I can get away with, like, if you know the geography of LA, you're like, that venue is not next to that coffee shop. That's at least like a 30 yeah. minute drive. But the characters come out of that venue, they go in next door to the coffee shop. So I can get away with things like that. And I think it, it I think it's a lot more fun. Um, and I was also inspired by uh, John Hughes. He has Shermer, Illinois, where his movies take place. That Shermer, Shermer, Illinois does not exist. Okay. You know, where in LA would that happen? Where, where, where because the scene looks so real and yeah. I haven't been in that scene. Yeah. I, I've gone to Rainbow many times, but that's, that's a cool place, but it's a museum. Hell yeah. It's something what happened in the eighties. <laughs> yeah. 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 So does that scene exist somewhere or did it? For I'll be around. 
Is it Silver Lake Echo Park? What's it's, it's everywhere. It's all over. We have we shot some stuff like in downtown. We shot stuff in Highland Park, uh, Echo Park, Silver Lake, Los Feliz, like everywhere. You but know? those kind of people exist. I believe you, but I I don't see them. I go to other places. Exactly. Maybe they do. Maybe they don't. I don't yeah. Know. I'm a little I'm a little detached from it, you know. Because it seems like a really believable scene. And that's the thing too. When you know we we do jump into that movie, it's like it is a pre-existing scene. So when you're coming into it. And I feel that as a movie goer, really like, good. I'm a little like, but that, that that's on purpose. We want it because um, it makes me feel that I want to go there. I want to go to see, is it satellite in Silver Lake? Where is this? <laughs> see, that's good. Yeah, we have fictional venues. Like one of the main venues in the movie is called the Mirror. Yes, it's actually a composite of three different venues in Los Angeles. You know, so uh, do uh, you want to tell which one? No way, man. Okay, great. <laughs> But anyway, uh, yeah, like the, that movie, it, it's like you're supposed to feel a little lost. And that's kind of what it's like to move to a new town, which I ended up doing that at one point. I moved to Atlanta. And there was this pre-existing power pop punk scene. Yeah. And everyone knew each other. And I had to figure out who's related to who, who's dated who, who's in whose band. Wait, they're in a band together, but they're also in this band. And that's how it feels when you first watch I'll Be Around, which yeah. is a movie that we intentionally created for you to revisit several times. We really want you to come back in and start seeing how we really made every scene count. Because a lot of people go like, you could drop this and you can drop. I'm like, no, we cannot. There's a reason that it's in there. We really worked. We did about like 20 drafts of I'll Be Around. That's part of the reason too that we didn't go out and shoot it immediately. I wasn't happy with it. And then we're like, this, we're making this too complex. We had like a murder subplot in there at one point. We're like, we gotta yeah. take this out because it's taken away from like the angst of the, of so, the movie. So you had script or how improvised is it? It's not improvised. It's very heavily scripted. Even the lines. Yeah. There's like maybe there's like a couple scenes in there. Yeah. Because I known the actors for a long time that yeah, they'll they'll like improvise one random line. But a lot of people thought that the whole movie was improvised. I'm like, no, not at all. It's very heavily scripted. Yeah. That's what I thought too. There's maybe like five percent of improvisation in there. Oh wow. Yeah. But it's like, no, it's it's super scripted. Yeah, like every single thing. Great. And that was a thing too where I'm like, you know what, if I'm going to make this a challenge, I'm going to make this a challenge. If I'm going to go back and make a movie, I'm going to like make a challenge and like prove to these people that I can do a movie because they were still turning us down and not giving us the money for it. Okay. Yes. Sorry. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah you were back. talking how you were pitching it. Yeah. So going back to that, like we have the, the Phoebe and Kip character. So Kip uh, is the and very- And you had a script yeah, when yeah. you were pitching? Oh, yeah, you totally. Had to- Everything. Yeah. Yes. So who so, did you pitch it, and what happened? So with, with that, people were like, "What is this a million characters thing? You should just focus on a." Sorry, band. what people? Production companies, production channels, com- production companies, yeah. uh, random producers, people that I would that wanted to get into uh, producing. Um, they were trying to transition from another uh, crew position to the next. Pretty much like it was like eighty to ninety percent that would read this stuff. Or because what? this is the important question: uh-huh. Who do you pitch to get stuff made? Exactly. Dentists. Or what's that? No, 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 I mean, like we, I, I did the research where it was like indie production houses that were looking for projects. I okay. Mean, it takes a lot of research and it's boring. And again, to me, it's frustrating to even bring that up because what is the point? No one understands what we're trying to do. <laughs> so, so it's like that where it's just like, people were like, just, you know, one, one, one house was like, uh, just focus on one band and their groupies or band-aids. Right. And I was like, that's almost famous. Why am I going to, we're not doing that movie. You know? Yeah. Uh, it, it's, it, it, it's almost like the fact that these people are musicians, it's kind of a MacGuffin to try to tell this very optimistic story that you should not give up. Yeah. You know, don't give up no matter what you never know. You better, it's better to do, do than to not do. Right. 
I almost quoted Yoda for a second, but I forgot that. Sounded line. great. <laughs> but anyway, uh, and one one producer specifically was like, um, without spoiling the movie, um, two characters that um, I, well, I'm going to end up spoiling it. Two characters that you we really, really, really let's not spoil it. If well, someone in Finland watches, this. <laughs> if someone in Finland watches it, yeah. Well, certain things they don't like the way it ended. Yeah, which is very open ended, and I was just like, well, it's very. It, it, it's a cold opening when you go into it. Why should we tie up these nice little bows yeah. at the end? And I'm like, no, you're literally having a slight, it's a very important day in these people's lives. They all affected each other somehow. And they may not entirely be in a different place than they were at the beginning, but they have gone through a journey. And now, I mean, in a different place uh, emotionally, I would say, but now they're in these certain positions where they've met new people. And if, It's almost like the before trilogy uh, feeling the Linklater movies. Again, Linklater is a big influence on this stuff, um, which is like, if you're an optimist, you can kind of guide yourself to think that the next day of this music festival, because it's three days, we only focus on the first day. Yeah. So there's two, there's certain people that did not, I'm trying not to spoil that. So it's a little hard to talk about this, but it's just like, there's certain people that did not meet that you think should have met. And if you're an optimist, you're going to go, hey, there's two more days of the festival. Yeah, I like that. Right? So that's that's sort of the idea, you know? Um, yeah, the ending isn't definitely is not like a stop. It seems like a new beginning. Right, right. So, um, so these people that would potentially have money do not, they not understand that. Yeah. And they're like, you need to have these two characters meet. And, I, and we're like, if we did that, we wouldn't make this movie because that's the point. That was actually one of the first things we thought of. We're like, these characters cannot meet. That is the point. And yeah. they were against it. So, you know, we had some script doctors come in and people giving us advice and some of it that we followed, some of that, some of it that we didn't. And I think we should have followed it. But, um, you know, we're like, let's just crowd crowdfund this thing. So we did a seed and spark. No campaign. one bought it at all. Yes. And um, we seed did a, and spark. We did a seed and spark campaign and it was part of this hometown rally thing, I believe, that the Duplass brothers were running. Um, and we tried. I, I don't know about that. I know them, but I don't know the hometown. Yeah, yeah. where it's where it's like if you I think I, I can't remember right now. Um, yeah, because it's been so long since then. And, you know, we had. Yeah. Lockdown. When was this? This is like tw- when we started. This was like 20. I have to think about 2017 is when we started writing it. And when we started, it was like fall of 2017 when we had the seed and spark crowdfunding campaign. Five years ago. Yeah, is that five years? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So um, we tried our best to knock on friends' doors and be like, hey, can you throw in five bucks? Can you throw in a-? I like, I hate doing that. And I've had to do crowdfunding before because years ago, I got my car broken into with all my gear in it, <sighs> everything stolen, including footage, brand new laptop. I had to have a Seed and Spark campaign. I had to have a Seed and Spark campaign for post-production on another project. Um, yeah. I try to do it for that second feature that I never got a chance to make no one donated to it so it's like i don't have i don't know people with a lot of money i don't have people that are like you know that that are that enthusiastic even about the stuff that i do or i even have like close friends that have never seen anything i've ever made yeah. so it's like they don't they're not really interested in helping me out with this stuff um and i don't mean that in a negative sense they're just, they're just being realistic people yeah. are very people are very lazy and picky about certain things so i was like i hate asking i know i hate asking for money so we ended up raising like about eight grand That's pretty good. Pretty good. And I ended up throwing in uh, 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 money myself. And then like, yeah. I, I, I can't remember what the, the final budget of I'll Be Around was, but um, 
you know, we did that Seed and Spark campaign and it ended like in October of 2017. Yeah. We didn't start shooting till very end of August or maybe right at the beginning of September of 2018. Yes. And before we started shooting, I'll be around because I was a little rusty. I had this idea years ago for this movie and i wrote this after i wrote the, the pilot episode of oblivion of the i follow these two early 20 year old characters two guys they're best friends you don't know why they're best friends but they're obsessed with like 60 soul mod music northern yeah. soul uh garage rock some psychic whatever they're, they're music obsesses and they're also obsessed with sex one of them is very experienced the other one isn't and I was like, this would be cool. And I kind of want to do it as a tribute to uh, the French New Wave films that I grew up on. Yeah. Truf Truffaut and Godard specifically. And I was like, and I want to shoot it in real time. I want, the, I want to show their friendship over the span of five years, how it falls apart. Because in your, oh, early, in nice. your early 20s it, to, to your mid-20s, that's a very interesting transition period, you know? And some of these people that you may have even known since your childhood, they're probably not going to be friends with you anymore the older you get. Um, so I wanted to show that dynamic. I didn't end up doing it. And around this time when I was starting to cast for I'll Be Around, I met these two young boys se separately. We worked at the same place, but they worked there separately. And I was like, oh my God, I think these guys, if they can act, I think they could play these yeah. two characters. So lo and behold, at the start of, uh, 2018. of uh, 2018, I ended up uh, recutting, and I've been doing this for years, kept fine-tuning it and showing people the movie and getting negative feedback and still showing people and then getting positive feedback. I ended up cutting By the Wayside, the feature that was way too long, that was inspired by Cassavetes into a 70-minute long feature. Yeah. 70 minutes and a little bit of change. I love that version. I am so happy with it. Uh, I got a lot of help from um, one of my regular actors, uh, Brittany Sampson. She's amazing. Um, we have very different tastes and she has a very more um, uh, main pop culture kind of, uh, uh, th that's the direction that she sways in, right? So she can come in from an outsider's uh, POV, someone that doesn't want, really watch experimental films or art house films and yeah. help me make this, palatable palatable for both sides right yeah so with her help i fine-tuned wayside and i had a screening of it at the echo park film center and when i watched it i was like this is the movie that i wanted to make back then very happy with it but i ended up also screening a teaser for this project that i was talking about about the kids aging in real time called yeah. boys about town and i did a teaser which is the very first thing i wrote for it with this character talking into the camera about his sexual problems he's 20 years old and after giving this like two minute long monologue uh the camera flips and you see that he's actually talking to this kid who's not paying attention to him yeah that's he, cool he was talking about his lack of sexual experience and his other kid is way too cool for that so he yeah. pops him with a cigarette right in the face that got a good response two months later i started shooting the first segment of boys about town so i was and that was horrible I, and i'm glad that i did that first um because I was so rusty that we messed up every single thing that could happen. We reshot that first segment, which is 20 pages, about like four times. And I'm glad I did that because I was not ready to do all being around. I was so rusty trying yeah. to, you know, doing no budget productions. Did you release it? Boys uh, About Town. 
since it's five years long, it's we're on the fourth and a half year shooting it. Oh yes, so you're really doing it like that. So still doing it That's like that. Good. So I'm close to wrapping it up, and yeah. it turned out because of all the stuff that I've shot. Um, and I like, like I said, we have all be around split into two features. I like that 70 minute something mark for my stuff specifically. So I basically, Boys About Town has turned into uh, a trilogy. So three different 70 minute long features. But it's really cool because you see these kids at the beginning and they have, they do have the baby fat, you know? Yeah. And as a, as the story progresses, they, their voices do get deeper, you know, yeah. and um, they start losing that fat. They start getting gray hair. And it's been really fun to show that. And, yeah. only, and they're not the we're, their whole cast of friends is also aging. So it's been really cool. Um, and um, that since I was working on that, it allowed me to prepare for I'll be around. And I was still to the very last minute trying to find the right cast, you know, because you're doing a no budget production. You can't like get all these SAG actors. You can't get like this crazy amazing talent you can only get the people that are down to do it yeah. which is really fun it's cool and you know and sometimes you meet people that are just straight up characters yeah where you're like you don't really have to act you know if you can be comfortable in front of the camera just memorize this say it your own way i know so i know that's why some stuff yeah. some stuff does seem like it's improvised because um i have them saying it their own way but it's actually scripted and everything seems really real in that film that's that's cool that's a, uh, <laughs> that's good yeah <laughs> And I do have like, and there is a very stylized uh, uh, form of acting in the stuff that that uh, that I've worked on. You can kind of like if you watch a lot of my stuff, I think you can see that it, it feels like one of my movies. I'm saying this as a person that's like watched my stuff a million times, and then I go back to it years later, and I'm like, yeah. oh man, I can totally see that this is like the style yeah. that I intentionally, unintentionally um, have been harboring. It's really yeah. weird. So. With the Seedens Park, did you promise them any ownership or was it just support? Just support. Uh, I did that with like, I try to do that with Scenes from Oblivion, the first stuff, but it's just like, we don't make a penny off of this and people yeah. know that. And you know, like a, a lot of people that, though, the other thing that I do with, uh, um, I don't know if a lot of filmmakers do this. There's some people that I admire that do this um, where they don't give the talent the entire script. They only give them their scenes. Okay. And, uh, and then people ask me questions. Well, what's the relationship to this person? I'm like, yeah, I'll, I'll answer this uh, for you, but I want you to build your character. Don't be asking me what your character ate for breakfast three days ago. Like, oh, that's, yeah. your, that's, your, that's your job if you want to know that. Um, so they have no idea what they're actually getting involved in. And to me, that's really fun because you know, uh, I'm a bit of a prankster. I relate a lot to the Rory character in the movie. He's the yeah. one that switches the weed cookies out. Yes. Um, I like, I like uh, screening a movie is one of my like or premiering a movie with the cast is one of my most favorite things because they have no idea oh, yes. what the movie is. And they're like, what the hell is this? And they see that they're like part of this big old, big old universe. Scope. Yeah. This big old universe. Yeah. And um, some of them they are like, Oh, this is going to be like an 80 minute comedy. Like, yeah. Cause their character scenes are all funny. Yeah. They have no idea that yeah. there's like this whole angsty, like very like heavy aspect to it as yeah. well, or existential aspect to it as well. I'm going to go back because this is something that I need to work on quite a lot. So with the seed and spark, are you promising people anything? Are you just, how do you approach people? For, for that, that, we had perks where, which was like, um, you know, I, since I have very little help with this stuff, it's really difficult for me to follow up on this, but we had yes. stuff where like, uh, for a dollar, you get a glimpse into our production diary. Yeah. You know, like, um, people shooting on set, you can see behind the scenes footage or, you know, one of them was like, Dan would write a song for a person. Okay. That's nice. 
using like keywords and stuff like that. Yeah. Um, I don't remember if he ended up doing that, but anyway, we had like different perks like that or, yeah. you know, um, you donate a hundred bucks, you'll be listed as a producer at the end credits yeah. or whatever. Um, but is it basically that you're just asking, please help us. We want to do it for fun. Yeah. Support arts. Yeah. Support art. You know, I mean, especially the theme of that, that story, it is about struggling artists and people that just want to create, you know, yeah. and they have their hands bound, you know? So, yeah. um, yeah, you just make these, these these perk tiers i know, you know so. because i know how hard it is to make money with an indie right. film yeah and i want to be honest with people who might support it since i've seen the film you're an excellent filmmaker and i think this could become uh, someone could pay you about this for doing these films like how do you see the future you're releasing this now and uh, what do you want are you going to sell yeah, what do you want, want from the future as a filmmaker uh, to get our dream projects financed, you know, and that's the thing too. It's just like, I don't need a gazillion dollars to make this stuff. We can pull this off very cheaply made. You can do it with six figures, you know, um, it, it just all depends. And it's like, we have like, we basically like Dan and I have made the pro every project that we've made, we've wanted to work on. Yeah. Right. But we haven't made something that we would love to work on we really want to make and i'll be around like i really had to make that but it's like if i had the option to make that or this dream project i'm gonna go for the dream project what's the dream project we have there's a million of them (laughs) you know we we spent a long time writing a lot of these scripts the one that we were writing before um i'll be around we were lucky enough to get chosen by um the uh american zoetrope uh screenplay competition i think it was like 2020 yeah um it was judged by francis coppola and i think we were like the second runner-up for that and that was called so goes the night and it's kind of like a uh, revisionist um it's like a neo detective story it's really philosophical it still feels like one of our projects definitely but it's like i would never make that movie diy because i would ruin it it would not be anywhere near as good as it would be if we had a budget so it's like i i choose to not make that, to not make it. I rather that's like a project that I would rather not make than make and destroy it. You know? Yeah, because I couldn't live with myself if I did that. You know. So, are you looking for financing for that? What's that's next? Diffi- that's a difficult project because it is a drama. You yeah, know, it's not a genre picture. Uh, I don't have any uh, uh, real monetary success. So, who the hell is going to want to pay for that thing? So we. Um, well, I you I think you have a strong voice in your filmmaking. That I can see someone falling in love with that. You got to find that person to fall in love with the voice. What are the chances? Like playing the lottery, right? But it's like, uh, we we did. So you've seen I'll Be Around. And you yes. know, yeah, it's, I do have a shared universe. And in Oblivion, we had this kind of like a subplot going on uh, about this. The, the town that Oblivion takes place in is called Hohenstall, right? And there's a killer. It's been, you know, this, this slasher that's been murdering people and uh the media has dubbed that person the whole one stall slayer and i'll be around one of the characters is obsessed with the whole install slayer and he talks about it oh cool so when we had that we actually had a bunch of people that went because we have like you know scary scenes you know this 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 rory character is uh, a prankster I, I think i mentioned that earlier and he's pulling a prank on someone yes making them think that they're about to get killed by this killer. That's just who he is. He's getting a yeah. kick, he's getting a kick out of it. So those scenes were done in a certain manner. And then I had a bunch of people going, you guys should actually make a real horror movie. And I do love the horror movies that I grew up on, but I'm not like, I want to call myself a horror fanatic because they're really disappointing to me. They never meet the, the, they never hit the peak of the ones that I love that I grew up on. Which were those? Like Chainsaw Massacre, the original Night of the Living Dead. I can 
go on and on and on. Yeah. But anyway, um, I'm like, I'm not going to make, I'm not going to make a horror movie because I, I, I'd hate my own horror movies. So I don't want to do it. But we started getting ideas, Dan and I. Yeah. And I was like, we should make the whole install Slayer movie. And we should, and if we're going to do it, we should, if we're going to do a slasher movie, it's not going to be five teenagers getting stalked by a killer. And I'm like, no, we're going to make something that's very much like us that we would want to watch. And if other people like it, cool. But I think this has a lot of potential. So we wrote that script and we did several rewrites of it and we've submitted it here and there. And we've gotten um, just screen fit competitions and we've gotten a lot of great feedback. So that right now is the project that I would want to try to push to get finance because it is a genre picture. There is a built-in audience, that demographic that we talked about in the EPK. Yeah. Um, and it is set in our movie universe, but it's not alienating to people that have no idea about any of the other stuff that we've worked on. You know? Yeah. Um, and I'm pretty proud of that script. And I think it'd be a lot of fun if we got that made. So that right now is what I'm hoping that we can get people interested in. I haven't really been pushing it right now because I'm kind of spread thin with working on these other things uh, at the moment. Um, which one of the other things that I'm working on at the moment is going to be done very similar to By the Wayside. It's a thriller. It's not a comedy. It's a thriller, very heavily plotted, but I want the talent to improvise their dialogue. They'll have some suggestions. Yeah. I want them to improvise it and we're not going to tell them when things go down. That's great. So yeah. I want to have that and I want to have this script that we're really proud of as examples of what we can do to try to, to obtain the interest yeah. in the whole install Slayer uh, script. I like those. I like those ideas. So hopefully if yeah. something comes through with that, then if we gain any sort of tiny bit of like uh, recognition for that, hopefully we can try to get the money for our dream yeah. projects that mean like the world to us, you know? And how are you making all this happen by yourself? Do you work somewhere or? Well, I work for the Cinematheque, the American Cinematheque. But, you know, I used to like when I was Can making- Can you tell about that? Uh, nonprofit uh, repertory theaters um, all across Los Angeles. Uh, yeah. The Aero Theater in Santa Monica, the Los Feliz 3, the main theater at the Los yes. Feliz 3. It's basically two businesses in one building. So it's Vintage Cinemas and then American Cinematheque. And um, we also have the Egyptian Theater in uh, Hollywood. I think we had our showing. I don't know if it was Vista or Los Feliz 3. Was it recently? Uh, four years ago. Four years ago. Which one is in the corner? Oh, in the corner? That's the Vista. That's owned by Vintage Cinemas. No, we were in the other one. We were in your cinema. The one that's on Vermont Avenue. It's like a very, it looks very boutique. Yes. Okay. Yes. Yeah, that Just, would be the LF3. There, there's like the cafes and all that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah we had our, our film is called Someone Somewhere. Someone Somewhere? Yeah, so we found that location. The price was good and we had our premiere. Nice. Yeah. Then Great. we went to the Thai place, Thai place next to it. Oh, okay. Have the, you one, been the, the one like kind of kitty corner to it? I yes, think? in the strip mall. Yeah, yeah. Thai. Yes. Because they have a karaoke. I haven't been there since before lockdown, but yes, that's a good spot to go to. I've been there like <laughs> after Rainbow, I've been there the most. Oh, wow. Really? <laughs> because we used to have all the rap parties there. Oh, awesome. Yeah. I, I, I live at the at the Los Feliz 3 theater. So. Oh, okay. at the theater. I'm like, they're like six days out of the week. So. Oh, yes. So we um, had really good experience yeah, there. Yeah, yeah. yeah so sorry. You, so Cinematheque has these theaters in yeah, LA. Yeah. yeah. And we have like special screenings with... You know, uh, special celebrity guests, and um, we had this uh, amazing run recently of 70 millimeter uh, films, which included um, Robert Altman's Shortcuts, another influence on Olivia yeah. Brown, and um, Vertigo. Um, 
I forget the few others that, that we screen Lawrence of Arabia. That's a, that's a staple. Yeah. Um, so a lot of fun, but when I was working on, I'll be around, I was a bartender and eventually bar manager. So you can imagine working a full shift as a bartender and getting off at four in the morning only to go on set, be on set at 7am. Yeah. So very taxing, you know, it takes a very, uh, I think it takes, uh, I get criticized by friends, like just give me crap that I don't sleep much, but it's like, I don't really need it. It's in my genes. Yeah. It's my, my brothers are that way. My, my dad was that way. Um, and, uh, I think it, it re definitely requires a certain type of person to pull off DIY productions where you're doing, wearing many hats, not eating much, not sleeping much, and still being able to delegate to people yeah. what you want, you know? It sucks, but it does take a certain personality type and energy type to be able to do I that. I agree. So, Are you still the bar manager? What do you do there? Hell no. <laughs> what, what are you okay. doing? Oh, well, no, now, yeah, yeah. Just like I'm a, I'm a coordinator for the Cinematheque, so I'm out, I'm out of that that stuff. I was having like, I was literally having a, another breakdown before lockdown. Yeah. And um, I was definitely considering taking a break because I was losing my mind. Um, I can't, I can't be a part of anything that has, um, not that this job had that, that's why I was a bartender, but I can't have a lot of restrictions. Yeah. I'm trying to live my day-to-day -day life. I, I need a lot of freedom, not, not in a rebellious sense or just yeah. being lazy. It's just like, no, I need to be able to like be me and do what I need to be doing in order for me to have a certain peace of mind. Yeah. So, uh, you know, after a while dealing with people that are just, uh, plastered all the time and angry all the time while they're drinking and then you're angry. dealing and you're dealing with your own crap you're like i have no time to deal with your stupid anger issues that you're taking out on me when i'm the one that's feeding you why are liquor. they angry ask those people i don't know why they try to start bar fights with other people i'm like what is going on people yelling at you and consistently doing this when you're really busy yeah trying to get your time you're like <laughs> i know i have worked in restaurants exactly but in the food and the, yeah i mean yeah. so so have i i mean and, and i'll be around we have the character yeah. Joni. yeah she um her boss won't let her go. You know, she, uh, she has a, she's on a really great bill that night on yeah. the festival. She needs to play with her band. And her boss is like, if basically, if you leave, I'm going to fire you. And she's like, this isn't even my shift. Yeah. I was just filling in for a couple hours and this guy's being a dick. Um, her boss, and I'm jumping around all over the place, but her boss is played by one of my favorite punk rock guitarists of all time. Uh, Frank Agnew, um, who was in a band in the adolescence and he's played in various outfits throughout the years, but, um, he's been in several of my stuff. I met him on the set of oblivion because I started getting a lot of punk rock icons to play some of the fill-in characters on the show yeah so to me i was like oh they're punk rockers they're gonna be cool being on this diy thing and not getting paid and they they totally were they were like i just want to do something this is yeah. really cool so we became really good friends so frank as i said i tell people come up with your own background on the characters i'll tell you how they're related but you come up with your own background frank who plays the boss that won't let Joni leave her dining position to go play this really great uh, uh slot at this yeah. festival that can gain her a lot of recognition won't let her leave because he himself is a failed musician yeah so he's holding her back oh, that was I the know. background that he came up with and i was yeah. like that is perfect That's tough. um and what's it called and the reason Joni doesn't quit is because she can't afford to quit she can't yeah. afford to lose that job i know so it's like a lot of people go just like quit that thing I'm like then what are you gonna do then you're gonna be totally screwed she's already at the beginning of the movie complaining that she can't even meet her bills yeah you know and she's like she she might have to move into her lockout space her rehearsal space that doesn't have a shower you know yeah i know so many people that do that stuff you know so that's yeah we had a lockout actually for a few months Over it here? was really uh yeah in hollywood it was great to have like real drums i know uh, that's uh, yeah, it's fun that's the best but now i only have electric drums at home that's something do you play those 
Uh, for fun, yeah. yeah. I, I can play guitar, but the drums, I'm just a beginner. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's very fun. But yes, I play them. Oh, that's awesome. So I, I actually have two topics that I would like to go before we need to go, uh, that I like to talk about before we need to go. So music, well, you said that there's just Mike, <laughs> but uh, the music, the whole band thing, like, wh- why did you stop? Like, if you're good enough to be a lead singer, why did you stop? Well, well like I said, it's like, it's it's another job, you know? Yeah. And if, if I'm like the lead songwriter and I'm like basically the leader of the band like i don't want to do that anymore it's just it's too time consuming especially if i'm going back and editing oblivion episodes that i never finish or if i'm working on three simultaneous features or if i'm working on boys about town or if i'm working like uh 40 hours a week like i'm not you know i still want to hang out with my friends i'm still like i'm a huge cinephile like i movies watching movies to me so you love filmmaking i am i love i love filmmaking uh to a certain extent (laughs) because i don't have the resources for it but i always say this i'm never happier than when i'm on set and my favorite my okay but my favorite favorite part about filmmaking is editing that's when you really can manipulate things and hopefully salvage footage that you didn't shoot that well you know i definitely don't love editing oh you don't uh, yeah so it's my favorite and sometimes i avoid it yeah. forever because i know when i get into it it's going to be really hard to pull me out of it i'm just yeah. there and then also you know when you know you don't have access to um you know uh clearing music certain music yes i'll uh just have my guitar when i'm editing and i'll start just strumming along and trying to get a rhythm sort of pace to to the scenes and then i'll start actually writing part of a score or or an original song which i had to do for i'll be around because there are you know a lot of musicians in that yeah that movie or bands it's about bands um yeah that process is it's my favorite but what was i saying going back to like uh the whole process of filmmaking and doing all these things it's just like you it's like you you're gonna spread yourself very thin if you are also trying to have a live musical outfit I get it. You know? Like and you it, can do. I I have need to make some sacrifices too. Yeah, yeah since yeah. I'm pursuing acting yeah. and doing films, and, and, and it's and it's a lot of fun. And even when I was recording this just Mike stuff, like I think it was like a couple of weeks ago, I reached out to a bunch of friends and be like, "Hey, do you guys want to like?" And even though I say this, I don't want to play live again. I was like, "Do you guys want to do just one show?" You should do because it'd be fun. It's fun and it's super fun. The very last time I played live was during the making of I'll Be Around, and. That was a blast. That was the most fun I've had playing a show in ages. And there weren't a lot of people there, but I had so much fun. And I think the rest of the band did. And it's like, again, it's like a, it's a, it's a, it's a nice way to relieve stress. You know? I know. I get to play covers a couple of times a year. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So at least, and we play some rock. So it's well, when's, the, when's the last time you played live? I think it was Labor Day last year. Uh, no, no, actually, I played well live. I played for Midsummer's party in the Finnish community center. Oh, nice. A Finnish center. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So there was a singer and we were playing a couple of old, like oldies, Finnish yeah, yeah. songs. So in Midsummer's. That's that's awesome. That's but cool. with an amp and electric guitar, Labor Day last I mean, I, year. I, 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 I'm a fan of this director, but I'll probably butcher his name. Um, uh, I'm sure you're familiar with Aki Karismaki? Yeah. Okay, I was yeah. going to say that because that's a... He's a he's a filmmaker that I love, and then you have stuff like uh, Leningrad Cowboys, where he's mixing that very deadpan flavor of his from his his like uh, dramatic features or comedic features, yes, um, with musicians traveling, yeah, and rock musicians. Yeah, and so I want to. What, what's your opinion on his stuff? I, I love it. He's he's he has great. Like, it's he's like you that he has created his own style, which is really strong. Well, which is your favorite feature of his? Well, I, I have a scene that comes to my mind that I love. Uh-huh. It's, I think it's from Rosso. 
there's an Italian um, Italian um, hitman uh-huh. and there's Finnish guy and they, there's this really famous Finnish song that is like a big thing there. So he starts singing the original Italian song and then the other guy starts singing the Finnish song, yeah. Olen Suomalainen, because it's an Italian cover. Right. So they have shared this moment, even though though they don't share language, they sing this, they are driving the car and they sing this song that we all know in two languages at the same time. The universal language of music. Yes. So that's my favorite scene. What what flick is that? Because it sounds really familiar and I can't place it right now. I think it's called Rosso. Rosso? Like the Italian word for uh-huh. red. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes. So it's it's an old song. So that's it's an old film. Yeah. So that's my favorite. I can't. I don't know, know what to say. What's my favorite film uh-huh. of his? But that's the favorite scene. That that like the one that stands out, right? Yeah, yeah. Now it's that, cool. And every time, actually, often when I meet Italian people, I ask, "Do they know this song?" And they know it because it's really popular. So I get to sing a part of that song with an Italian person. Ah, uh, that's cool. I've done it in Santa Monica yeah. once. Oh, really? That's awesome. Yeah, that's great to be able to reenact that. Yes. So well, that's cool. You know him, and I I like how he trapezes. How he balances when is it comical and when is it really serious? Because yeah. many of his topics are so serious and tra- dramatic, but there's a certain comedic the undertone. Hu- the humor is amazing because it's so dry that it takes you a few seconds after the delivery to realize how funny that was. That's true, and he's very and he's very sparse in his dialogue. I mean, I would I would I'm like I'm a big Brisson fan, for example, and like I would one day like to do again, like it's I don't think it's in my personality, but I would like to do a movie that's not so dialogue heavy as you yeah saw it all be around. It's a lot of talk, 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 talk. Yes. and if you're not a person into people just talk, talk, talking, you're not gonna really enjoy yeah. that movie. Um, but I would like to do something that's much more minimal because um, he does so much with one line of dialogue, and then it's like silence and then the other character talks yeah it, it lets you you know marinate with what they said a bit and it covers so much ground just a simple simple uh use of words you know um i don't know if i have it in me <laughs> now that's really interesting to hear because of fin- the finnish culture is very non-talkative so okay so it definitely talks tells about finnish culture but it's i mean it's great to hear how you you relate to it even though you're an american I love that. I mean, it's like, it's also like, I, you know, I, I am Cuban and we're very loud. We talk a lot. Yeah. We speak with our hands. We're very colorful, melodramatic, over the top people. So that that stuff is definitely in my, in my movies, but I would love to. Are you from, sorry. Well, I mean, I was born here. I'm like the first one in my, my entire family to be born here, but you know, I didn't learn how to speak English. I was like four or five, uh, learned through television, like my first preschool and kindergarten, it was like bilingual. Yeah, you know, and nice. that, that helped out. But I think by first grade, I was already speaking English, something like that. I lived four years in Miami, so I got oh, exposed to Cubans yeah, yeah. a lot. Yeah, 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 yeah. So are you from Miami, LA? Where are you uh, from? I'm from Orange County, but um, I lived twice in Miami when I was a wee lad. Wee lad, nice. <laughs> yeah, many of our teachers were and classmates were half Cuban or Cuban. Were they? Were they yell at you a lot? Were they flip out if you guys did something wrong? <laughs> no, they they were loud, but I don't think they were. Uh, angry no okay that's but, just how we people are like you stop yelling at me I'm like that's how i talk <laughs> yeah i loved miami i lived there for four years that's yeah that's wild yeah that's cool that's cool so i guess uh, the last thing that i would ask like to ask like if someone who's not in la yet and wants to come here to pursue whatever dreams they run have away run away i'll <laughs> do it 
<laughs> because you've been here for a while. You were born in Orange County. Yeah, yeah. I've been here just like, I, I think I moved up here like in 2002 from Orange County. Yeah. I was like living out of my car and like, uh, um, I, live, I, I grew up in Santa Ana. So like I used to have band practice back then in uh, Ventura County, like in, uh, in uh, Camarillo. Which is quite a drive, you know. So I would be working at like a, I was working at a coffee bean at the time. So I'd put in my hours there and then like drive all the way up to Camarillo and stay at our uh, drummer's place for like two or three days of just band practicing and bonding and hanging out and um, drive back down and um, do that over and over. But I was like, for the most part, once I came up to LA, I was just living in my car. So I went, I did, I did every possible struggle you could have i'm using bunny ears right now yeah struggle you could have to try to uh, obtain some sort of a uh, position in the entertainment industry and then that sort of panned out for a minute but as with everything all good things come to an end yeah <laughs> so if someone's not here yet do you have any other tips then no way what what are they coming out here for you know that's what's what's over here well i was gonna ask acting but uh, since you also have a connection to the rock world I don't know if you want to talk about music or acting. I don't know. Over here, you know, especially post lockdown, um, actually it was pretty much over Los Angeles um, right before lockdown. It was part of that breakdown that I was uh, that, that I was having as a as a bartender, where I'm just like I'm just sick of everything right now. Um, but everything's changed in the city, and now I feel like there's consistently this is post lockdown consistently some music event going on and genres that. I lean more towards, you know, which before it was kind of a dying thing, which are um, just like rock in general. You know? Yeah. Like I'm talking about just using that as an umbrella term, covering every possible subgenre. Yeah. Um, you know, uh, certain bars that you would walk into would only be catering to a certain crowd, be more like top 40. But now it's like, oh man, this I'm hearing this in the real, like I call it the real world. You know, it's not yeah. just in my bedroom or, or in my car or whatever on my headphones when I'm walking down the street, I'm like, I'm hearing this stuff out in public. So things have changed, but it's like, it, it, it's there, there was this whole subplot and I'll be around again, the movie's already very lengthy as is, but this was taken out of uh, the original script where it's just like people were not, um, you know, all these corporations were coming in and it was again, um, when you're trying to book a show, they're like, how many followers you got? How many people can you bring? I mean, it is a business. I can't blame them for being this way. They want to make sure that if they're booking you, that, that you're not playing for your two friends and your uncle Pete, you know, they want yeah. you to make sure you have a bunch of people there that are buying drinks that, you know, they got to make money. Right. But the thing is that, it, um, the city's changed so much that, um, not going to mention any corporate names, but they've taken over a large chunk of the city where now almost no one can play. doesn't even matter if you have like a, whatever, 10,000 followers, you know, sure. I'm like lowballing it, but anyway, anything like that, they're like, they need, you need to be like, a very popular artist or being pushed by some certain label. But um, most of the bookers that I, that I sort of knew they've left the city, they've all retired. So it's like, it's really hard to play a show in Los Angeles unless you're doing one of the very, very underground places. But those places, again, you still need to know the people that would be cool with you playing there. And yeah. it still comes down to networking, which I'm really terrible at, but um. But I'm just saying that. So if you're coming out here as a musician, just be careful and just know that you're most likely going to be playing like a house party if you can find one, opposed to one of the lucrative venues that used to uh, embrace new artists with open arms. But you said that something positive had happened, that you start to hear in rock music. Positive in the sense that like um, there are these makeshift places that have popped up and it's like there's always something going on now. 
in general. And like every night of the week, I'm like, oh my God, there's this, there's this band that I can see, there's this, you know, so it's, it's been pretty cool. Yeah. Um, and some, not, again, I'm not bashing every single venue. There are some that still will accept a nobody artist, but you still have to kind of build up a name for yourself. Yeah. But I guess this is still the place. This is still the place. And a lot of people that were aspiring to be actors during lockdown moved away. They have not returned. Yeah, I noticed that too. So, but um, in, in a sense, I mean, like I just say, uh, you may not be getting paid a ton of money to be an actor out here on productions, especially not because you can shoot a feature on an iPhone. And I just say, just do it. You know, it's just like, uh, even if you're not getting paid, just go through the experience, build up, build up a, build up a res, build up a tolerance, you know, uh, uh, Brittany Sampson, who I talked about earlier, who helped me, um, edit down, uh, by the wayside. She always talks about like the first time that, uh, that we met when she came to audition for Jerry Powell, my first flick when I was talking yeah. about earlier. And. I sought her out. I was going through like backstage and I saw that she's like open to appearing in no budget productions. And I had a feeling after I watched her reel, I'm like, she's going to get this part. She's going to play Jerry's girlfriend. Donna. Yeah. There's just something that I just knew. And that was like a little bit difficult role to cast. And she brings this up. Cause I made her wait in the car for like 30 or 40 minutes post the time she had to be there. And it was like a little meme but at the same time. I'm like, I want to see what sort of tolerance she has. To be on a no budget set where you're not being catered to. And I'm like, and I'm not kidding. I have to think about this. Um, with the exception of my last feature, like a dirty French novel, my last yeah. completed feature, there's always been one person on set that feels so entitled that it's just an asshole. Always. And it has to be the one person that's ruining everybody else, everybody else's parade, you know? That one person that's like, me 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 i'm the talent this thing would fall apart without me and feed me and this and i'm like you've been fed he's like you called out a meal i'm like that's a pretty big meal i need this and this and that right everyone every like not everyone every project there's been that person mm. and you're like so you kind of part of the audition process for my crap it's like can you can you stand the conditions? Yeah. Are you going to be cool with that? You're not going to be consistently fluffed before a screening, you know, or, or a shooting or whatever. And um, ironically, like, I think it was the first day that Brittany had shot with us. I'm pretty sure. And I've talked about this story a million times, but when we were shooting, we were shooting in Echo Park, which, you know, it's cleaned up a business and it still can be dangerous. When I was a kid and my parents would drive up from Orange County, you know, and we go to like some Cuban bakery out here or whatever. We'd always pass by Echo Park Boulevard or the exit, or whatever, Echo Park Avenue, whatever it's called. We'd pass it and I would get so scared as a kid because I knew from news that Echo Park was very oh, dangerous. Wow. And you had yeah. Alison Anders, um, Mi Vida Loca as well, which focused- Sorry, I don't know what that is. That's the movie that Alison Anders <clears throat> made um, that uh, focuses on all the gangs in the early 90s in What is Park. it called? Mi Vida Loca. Okay. My Crazy Life, which there's a popular song that- repeats those words that I'm not going to mention. I'm not going to go too far into right now. But anyway, um, so I was terrified of that place. And um, uh, I already lost my train of thought. But like, uh, what I think I was trying to say is like- uh, Your first day of shooting. First day of shooting, we were shooting in Echo Park. And, you know, like already hit, I was already living there, I think. No, I, I, was, I wasn't living there just yet. <clears throat> but um, we're there. And while we're shooting, we don't get held up, but we get a gun pointed at us. Hmm. This guy, it looked like a gang initiation. 
and his guy thinks that the characters are yelling at him and they're not characters because um our dp jessica did not shoot J jerry powell this is um a uh, amberly bankoff she goes by ammo good friend of mine um who i was in a band with and she was originally in dignitary but um she's shorter she wears all black we have the camera on sticks she has like a tarp over her head so yeah see the shot it's nighttime it's like 9 10 p.m and um it's a scene where jerry the the main character he's speaking directly to camera but since you can't see her you don't know who he's talking to and you we're off to the side obviously it's a really small crew it's like five people and britney's character donna yells out street dogs like the hot dogs that people the vendors sell on on the street yeah right? but she because she her character sees that and then pulls jerry off to the side we think that those people thought that she was probably yelling out street thugs yeah yeah and jerry's talking and he's wearing like a hawaiian shirt and then we hear can i can i cuss on here yeah yeah <laughs> this guy's like the fuck you say hawaiian boy and we're like and i kind of look at him, i don't know where that came from fuck you say and then joe who never gets out of character he plays rex dollars in i'll be around he's yes. the guy that's like uh hooks up with all he's like the rock star that hooks up with all the girls but he comes too fast he has that problem yeah <laughs> he has a premature ejaculation problem so joe never gets out of character ever when he slips in that's who he is yeah you know he slips out and he goes shit shit i think that guy i think that guy's pointing a gun at us and i'm like what and then britney starts cowering as well like moving backwards and i'm going like what's what's happening here and we look and we see there's this dude that has like this shiny metallic thing resting on the the uh the top of the car so <sighs> cutting that story short britney still stuck around after that our scripty she gave me those notes and then there was a note within the notes that said hey i just gotta tell you you guys are very brave but i don't think i can be a part <laughs> of this production any longer <laughs> what happened after that like in that moment in that moment this guy uh directly went right up to joe with the gun behind his back yeah still kind of like antagonizing him and i think it looked like i said it looked like a gang initiation because when he was at that car there was a couple of like homies hanging out and just yeah. staring at us like in place yeah with their with their hands and arms in front of them you know um and he's like we're shooting a movie we're shooting a movie like just like we're shooting and, and i i couldn't say anything and ammo cut the camera i i, I wish he would have still kept running or at least leaving it yeah you know, so we can capture all this the, the dialogue that these people had between each other and um the guy eventually like realizes that joe's not going to try to antagonize him and he goes yeah. he looks around to the left or the right and he goes okay and he just walks back the funny thing is that this guy had a cast so he was like going like walking like this he looked like oh. <laughs> like because he was walking up to us with his gun so in retrospect it was really funny but at the time we're like oh my god the first day of shoot shooting where it's gonna be the i was like joe's dead like in my head i was like he's gonna get shot right now <laughs> yeah like he like my friend is gonna die right now uh really terrifying moment but like I said, Bernie's still stuck around. So, you know, doing that as part of the audition process where you're having someone wait in the car before they come and read their lines. Yeah. It, uh, it ended up working out in the long run. And she still brings it up. She's like, you were just testing my tolerance. And wow. I was like, well, so I, that's indie filmmaking. That's indie, indie. filmmaking. <laughs> where if people want to see your films, where can they see them? All my stuff is on Jerry. Uh, Jerry, by the wayside, I'll be around is on um, Amazon and to be uh, just type type any of that stuff on google you'll be able to find it definitely on vimeo um and uh like a dirty french novel it's supposed to be getting released by darks it's supposed to have a physical blu-ray copy 
I think maybe by September and Troma is co-releasing it on their app, their That's streaming cool. service, which is really cool. We did a total like very, very campy um, exploitation film inspired uh, pulpy noir during lockdown. Jessica shot that. Can you tell the name again? Like a dirty French novel. Nice. Um, which is taken from Velvet Underground lyrics. Um, and all my stuff has at least a Lou Reed or a Velvet Underground reference. So that's the most direct reference that we can possibly have. But um, that one says it's so campy. Uh, Troma really dug it. So they're, they're going to be putting that on their streaming service. And then um, I'm not sure yet where the other distributor is going to be chucking that on. But um, you'll be able to look it up in, uh, I think, at the end of August or early September. Nice. Well, this was great. Thank you, Mike. <laughs> Thanks for having me. <laughs>